And we're live at the post-game show. The Longhorns take down the Rice House 37-10. It was not pretty the whole game. Uh, Longhorns sputtered out of the gate on offense. Uh, but I'm talking to two former Longhorn defenders here in Rod Babers and Drew Kelson. They might actually think a little something different based on the defensive play. Uh, Longhorns defeat Rice today 37-10. to uh, Guys, a little mixed results uh, in my opinion, but before we get to that, I want to thank you to our sponsor of each and every post-game show this year. It's Flight. Uh, it is the next generation of light beer brought to you by Yingling. Uh, lower carbs, I think it's uh, uh, also lower calorie, only 95 calories. Uh, perfect post-game drink. Rod, Drew, let's get to talking about the defense, the standout. Rod, you get your <laughs> uh, Well, first of all, they got takeaways, right? And they've been emphasizing it all offseason. They wanted to take the football away, be more opportunistic. That's exactly what they were. Uh, they got three of those uh, in the football game. We know Rice actually was the college football leader in giving away the football last season. They had 32 turnovers last season, uh, and then Texas got three of those. So uh, I think that's a, that's means Texas defense right now living up to expectations. Uh, we would like to see a little bit more sacks, but – uh, Rice wanted to run the football a little bit too, so uh, they did pressure the quarterback. They made JT Daniels' life hell, and they cannot run the football at all. I mean, I think they had 27 total rushing yards or something like that, so uh, that's exactly where they, they're picking up where they left off last season with the rush defense, uh, but the, you know, the pass defense, they weren't really tested like I thought they would be tested. Uh, Rice just couldn't, they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't hold up in pass protection. Drew, what did you think, bud? Football's back, baby. you know i mean i was at home and enjoying the game i know it was 100 degrees out there i was getting texts from fans that were out there at the game i mean cheers to everybody who went out there and they were in the thick of it uh but the players were experiencing that too so it did feel like at sometimes did we game plan this one that the guys just kind of they were so focused on rotating so focused on getting breaths um I mean, it just it didn't feel like a real start when we got started, but um, it did go as expected. I mean, the defense did get after him. Uh, the defense got pressures, as we expect them to get, uh, as they've gotten a lot last year, but it was good to see some people get home uh, this week on defense. Um, and then the offense just seems like, yeah, it was just, it was just flat. <laughs> you know, football's back, right? We needed something to complain about, but also something to, to, to work on. Um, um, it, it, it just it didn't feel fluid starting off. But, um, you know, second half came out, the offense had a plan and it actually worked. So we're getting the reverse of what used to frustrate us is starting fast and finishing slow. It seems like we came out second half this year, uh, at least of this game. Uh, we started fast on offense and that's what you want to see happen. We want to talk a lot about a lot of things in this game. we got about an hour here uh, with Rod and Drew to break it down for everybody. Uh, guys, uh, one of the things that I, I'll just start with, if, if Matt will bring up the stats, let's look over the stats uh, for today uh, and go through this. Uh, JT Daniels finishes 14 of 26 for 129, or excuse me, for 149, and 20. they have 27 yards rushing on just 25, or on 25 carries. So they average more than one yard a carry, I guess. That's probably good for them. Uh, I, I will say this, going into the third quarter, before that one long drive in the fourth quarter, or going into the fourth quarter, Rice only had 100 yards of total offense all day, right? Uh, three, uh, They only had two first downs, I think, or three first downs uh, going into the fourth quarter. That's pretty solid defense uh, by any any stretch. Uh, Texas did substitute liberally 
in the fourth quarter as well. Look on the other side, Quinn Ewers, 19 of 30 uh, for 260 yards. I thought he had a good third quarter. He got a little looser, got a little quicker with the ball. Uh, but the first half, he only completed 61% of his passes. And the the Longhorns offense looked like it stumbled. Uh, to Drew's point, I felt like they didn't act like they had actually prepared to go up against a Rice defense that was going to do some exotic things in the blitz uh, situation. Uh, negative news, in my opinion, C.J. Baxter, shoulder injury. Uh, Fox said that he was ruled out for the rest of the game. I, I do not personally have an update for that. Uh, if we do have one, uh, either now or later, please check out InsideTexas.com. We will release that information there uh, as soon as we get it. But in his stead, Jaden Blue actually ran hard. I thought today. Uh, what did you guys think of the offensive and defense or the offensive performance? Now, Rod Andrew. Um, I, I first of all, you want <laughs> it's uh the whole offensive performance. Are we talking about Jaden Blue? Because I want to give Jaden Blue his props before we before I dive into the offense. Go team for team. it. You do it your way, Rod. Okay, so Jaden Blue, I thought pl played really well. And actually, I'll tell you something. I was surprised that we saw as many two tailback sets, 21 personnel, two backs, one tight ends sets as we saw. Uh, Sark actually threw a lot of those in there. Uh, and Jaden Blue, man, he looked really, really good. He looked explosive. Uh, looked like a guy that could, you know, really, really, uh, you know, get to the hole. Uh, but once he got to the hole, he can make guys miss and get to the second level. So I love what I saw from Jaden Blue. Um, and I love what I saw from Cedric Baxter initially before the injury, obviously, too. And, and Jonathan Brooks, hey, he had his uh, – he looked good. So I think the running backs as a, you know, kind of a, a package, if you will, right? They're going to do running back by committee, I think, will be most of the season. I think they'll be able to get the job done. Uh, I w the run blocking versus Rice wasn't as much of an issue. I mean, it, it that's not something that concerned me. It was the pass blocking. Uh, it's something I talked to you, uh, Bobby. I talked to you guys about it. In multiple shows on this platform, I watched that. Remember that Baylor game? And I kept talking about it. I said, "Man, Dave Aranda figured something out. He used a lot of simulated pressures, a lot of those amoeba fronts where guys are all six, seven guys uh, all lined up at the line of scrimmage, some in two points, some in three points, uh, and then they rush four or rush three, drop three or rush uh, drop four." And the, the offensive line really confused about their communication and how they're passing guys off in those pass blocking uh, scenarios. And it seems like once again, if you go back and watch it, I'll go back and have a rewatch. But I thought Rice did some of those exact same things. Simulated pressures. Uh, thought they put up the amoeba fronts, those ghost fronts uh, to try to confuse the communication and the uh, the pass blocking uh, sets for the offensive line. And also thought they used some blitzes and some twists and stunts. So, uh, if you don't think Alabama's watching, uh, saying, okay, we saw in the Bama game they struggled with this concept. We saw in the Rice game, a right team like Rice, they were able to get home with these very same concepts. Looks like, you know, Bama's got something that they can use. And I told you, Bobby, but Bama's going to use it. Before we saw this game, now I can almost guarantee you, Bama's going to use simulated pressures, ghost and amoeba fronts, and they're going to use a lot of twists and stunts up front. It's just a given because your offensive line has not proven they can pick them up consistently. It was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but DJ Campbell went out uh, at one point during the third quarter. Neto Umiozulu came in uh, and moved to left guard, and they moved Hayden Connor to right guard. It it seemed like the run game started clicking when they did that. Uh, putting Neto and Kelvin Banks together in the run game on the left side seemed to really work for the Longhorns. Uh, guys, let's bring in Jerry Hamilton here. Uh, he was doing uh, the work on the uh, – uh, watch with us along with Aaron Hogan 
Uh, Jerry, come on in here. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you in. There we go. There he is. Uh, Jerry, your, up, Jerry? your thoughts and, and, and what you saw on the offensive line when Neto came in the game. Uh, first off, sorry, Miss Drew and Lafayette. We were in Lafayette at the same time a couple of weeks ago. We're going to have to link up next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, look, I thought there was some more push there. Um, I, I think Hayden Connor's a good player. Neto's a better athlete. He's quicker. He's, he's quicker uh, on initial contact. He creates a little more pop, and boy, does he have long arms. Um, I thought DJ struggled at right guard in this game. Uh, to Rod's point, and when he goes back and rewatches, it really seemed like Rice with those – uh, amoeba fronts. They attacked the Texas guards. They tried to work over a first first game starting guard DJ Campbell, and did they knew they that's where they could get pressure. And again, where Quinn is okay moving downhill, but if you can get Quinn moving laterally, he's not the same athlete. So I think anytime you can bring pressure up the middle against Quinn, you win uh, in the in, in getting pass rush on him. I, I mean, I, I was listening to Rod Andrew, you know. One thing I I guess I walked away from is I thought I wanted to see Texas be a little more physical on the offensive line in that game. I, I thought I thought they when you're looking at Jaheim Otis and Dallas Turner and what's coming in Tuscaloosa last next week, I wasn't sure they would quite match the physicality I was looking for. I could be wrong, guys. Drew, what'd you think about that physicality? You know, it was it was hard for me to watch that game and not think of Maybe these, maybe it's a little bit hotter than the guys <laughs> expected. Maybe, maybe that adrenaline burnt out during the during the warmups. Um, <laughs> maybe it's taking more of a toll on them than they realize. Uh, but also, Rice was moving around enough to make them think a bit more. And yeah, so, when you talk about did. the physical, mm-hmm, I mean, you can't be physical. You can't be physical unless you have the mental side of it right. It's a great point. Yeah. Drew. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I just think Rice mentally slowed us down with some of the things they were doing up front. And you just couldn't get your hands on guys. You couldn't just maul guys. Uh, so I, I mean, to, to piggyback off you, Jerry, the, 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 the mental part of it uh, directly ties into the physicality. Right point. I just, just never felt like we got a good sense of like we know what we're doing. We're going downhill and we're mashing these guys. Yep. I'm, I'm looking at this. Let's let's we're gonna break down uh, the couple of players. We always want to break down the quarterback right after the game. Sark calls it the most important position on the field. What were y'all's immediate thoughts on Quinn Ewers, what he did well, what he maybe didn't do so well? Um, I thought once, I mean, he's 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 really good and it's short to the intermediate. Uh, once again, that's kind of his natural comfort area. Sark tried to force the deep. Well, they have five deep balls they threw. <laughs> they didn't complete any of them. And they were all mm-hmm. off. Like, like not, I'm going to say way off, but. I mean, you're not going to – you can't – I mean, we know the secondary versus Rice is a strength for them. Um, but those balls mostly – we had underthrows. Uh, seemed like the ball was, you know, just off target at times, the deep one. And and it's, it's, it's pretty obvious now, and this is not a knock on Quinn because Quinn, he's got the golden arm. He can make any throw. But he's not – that's not his strength. Probably the weakest part of his game is the deep ball. That's that's one of the weakest parts of his game. Now, not, not like he don't have the arm strength to get it there. But in terms of the ball placement and the accuracy on the deep ball, it's not natural for him. It's just not. And I think that's going to be a struggle. That may end up being a struggle for him all year long. And Sark, it's the reason that makes him somewhat a little bit incompatible with Sark is because Sark loves the deep ball. It's essential. to. It's like it's part of his DNA as a play caller. And he will force it. He will chase the deep ball if you don't give it to him. And 
I would give him credit. He didn't, he didn't do that versus Rice, but I think in some games he may do that because it makes his offense so much easier to defend when you don't have to defend the deep element of it. You can sit on routes. Hey, what did y'all think of? I, I, I wrote down slow on the deep ball, slow feet. Um, a couple times he kind of half-armed it because he saw the rush coming. Instead of taking a hit and stepping into the throw, that deep ball to A.D. Mitchell – it looked like, hey, I don't want to get hit, but I want to get the ball out quick. If he would have stepped into it and let it let it ride, Mitchell had the DB by five to seven yards. Oh, separation yeah. is there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drew, what did you see in that regard? You know, I noticed there were a couple of times where um, I feel like he only had one read, and when that read was gone, he had to go somewhere else. And I thought we were at a point right now where and maybe those plays were designed that way. Uh, but I thought we just had a point now where we shouldn't have to rely on that as much. So there were a few times where I was just kind of like, oh, is that is, that was it? You know, was it whether was it whether a guy wasn't open? You know, I, I'd love to go back and watch the film, but just kind of want to go back and see, like, when you missed that first read, there was nowhere else to go uh, in this game in some cases. So that's something I want to go back and study. Uh, besides that, I didn't I, – I would have liked to see a bit more composure um, on some of those deeper throws, but you know, you're already hanging in there. The routes are already developing, uh, step into it, make the throw. Um, and this game against this opponent, uh, and maybe because he's so dialed into the protections that he he's anticipating a miss or he sees the misses coming before they actually come. Because as he's dropping back, he's like, Oh, this guy's not picking this one up. Uh, maybe he's kind of, you know, his, his time is getting off. He's not getting the same amount of time that he expects. So I think there were some disruptions up front that kind of threw him off a bit. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely want to go back and watch and just see just kind of where, where the reads were coming from and, and, and why it felt like after maybe a first read uh, he, would, he would have to take the ball and, and he had nowhere to go. I, you know, Jerry and, and Rod and, and Drew speaking here post-game, uh, sponsored by uh, Flight Yingling's Next Generation of Light Beer. That's Flight. Uh, give it a try if you haven't yet. Available across the state of Texas. Guys, uh, I'm looking at the stats and thinking about this. Um, one of the other things that I would say uh, from a good game perspective, Xavier Worthy. I thought he was open. I thought he ran well after the catch. I even think he may have caught the ball that they ruled an incompletion um, because I don't think the, the ball ever actually hit the ground. Um, what, what were y'all's thoughts on the receiver group as a whole, not just Xavier Worthy, but start with Xavier uh, whoever wants to go first, Jerry. I'll, I'll talk on Xavier a second. Um, man, can he gear up and gear down, Rod? Uh, he is he is a tough cover now. He's going to make a lot of money gearing down on people. Yeah. I thought his most impressive play, guys, here's what I thought his most impressive play was. A deep ball that he didn't catch, he was over the rice DB and almost came down with it. Mm-hmm. That shows improvement from last mm-hmm. year for me. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't bring that in, that's going to look good on for on tape for NFL guys. That just was a ball that was underthrown, but he made a great play on the ball, especially considering how fast he is and how he had to adapt to that ball being underthrown. Uh, he, he, I thought, I thought Xavier looked great today, man. If you can get him in space, the way he can change directions and pop with those feet, he's going to make a lot of yak this year. What did you think, Rod, of, of Xavier and the receiver group as a whole? 
Um, I, I thought the receiver group as a whole, I mean, they just showed the versatility of it, right? You, you saw Jay Witt be able to catch the screens, make something happen, become the running back at, you know, through the act yards that way. And by the way, that's what Sark's offense is designed for, right? He calls it his run to daylight philosophy. He wants to get guys in a, a position to get those yak yards. They were top five in the country last year in yak. Those numbers should increase this season just because now you can feature Xavier Worthy in so many ways. And you really kind of saw it in this game. Yeah, at times he can be the deep threat, but he also can really kill you in a short to the intermediate game. And I think um, until Quinn is comfortable, all right, completing those deep throws and you can get some of the accuracy up uh, on the deep throws, man, you really can work the middle of the field. You can work the short to intermediate game with a guy like X-Man. So, And then you saw A.D. Mitchell. His blocking, we got to work on that. Absolutely. Work on the <laughs> uh, he, yeah, Jay Witt, him, him and Jay Witt need to go hang out after practice, work on the blocking. That's all. Uh, but you, you saw, you saw his quick twitch ability. Uh, he's gonna be a guy receiver wise. I mean, they gonna consider him a number one. He, he's gonna be one on one coverage. He's gonna be able to make those guys miss. Uh, but I, I do worry about him as a blocker. They had him in a compressed, condensed set on that. Was it fourth and one? That they were yes. trying to get yeah. uh, him and Gunnar Helm. They just uh, couldn't figure it out. Yeah, they got to work on that. But other than that, I thought the receivers uh, showed you the versatility. They'll get better. This is about timing with them uh, and Quinn yours. I, I think it's going to be tough if they can't have all dimensions of the football field um, as a as a genuine threat. If teams start to believe, man, we don't have to defend the deep ball as much for Texas, the offense will be relegated. The passing game will kind of be relegated to what it was last season just with better weapons. And you don't want that. Uh, guys, I would say this. You know, I'm just thinking through this. A.D. Mitchell had a touchdown catch. Uh, J.T. Sanders had a touchdown catch. Jonathan Brooks uh, with a touchdown catch. Uh, they got some stuff done through the air. But to Rod's point, you know, without that vertical passing game, they were kind of relegated to some RPO stuff that worked. Uh, the quick pass to J.T. Sanders for the long touchdown. I, that was clearly called from the sideline, by the way. I don't think there's any. That was a that was that one play drive where uh, they said, "Okay, they're 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 jamming up the block. They're jamming up the box. He's cheating. We're gonna we're gonna take advantage of that." Uh, but but beyond that, uh, it wasn't like Quinn was uh, inaccurate, right? It just looked like he was a little slow processing at times, particularly in the first half. He had a good third quarter. The one thing I think he did really really well today. Two third and longs, he took off and made the first down. Loved it. Yeah, I Loved because it. he's got to at least – it's not that he's got to be a great runner, right? We all agree with that. Sark doesn't want that from his quarterbacks. But he has to make teams – they can't just drop eight and forget about him. Turn right? their back on him. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and so I felt like that was a good one. Uh, the uh, the whole idea uh, behind the receivers today I thought was – was just get them open and get them in space. They are, they were open. They were the open, right? The deep balls, the deep balls. They had separation, guys. I, so I'm not blaming the receivers. Had separation on them deep balls, man. It wasn't, but it just, you know, it, it was. Yeah. It wasn't there. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. I, I, I'm gonna get out of here and let you guys talk the football. But I, I just wanted to say, being there before the game, Texas fans brought it today. Now it was ridiculously hot. The pavement it could hurt the feet if you're out there long enough. The Texas fans brought it, man. There were a huge number of Texas fans there when Bevo came in, when the team came in. 
it, it that was impressive today considering the heat. So I just really wanted to come in here and say it was a great atmosphere. What CDC continues to add to Bevo Boulevard, it's a great experience. You saw Bat- Rodney Terry and those guys had five visitors today. I saw beach volleyball coaches with their visitors. I saw volleyball. There were a lot of official visitors on campus, unofficial visitors on campus today, and it was a hell of a product to put on today. And the Texas fans really showed uh, that showed up, and they brought it on a day where I wouldn't have blamed them for staying home, guys. I we're hungry for football yeah. and hungry for winning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, am, am, am I not? I mean, that's that's yeah, right. Uh, Think of all those. I think when they have six thousand or seven thousand freshmen on campus, it's their first football game too. Right. Yeah. Don't forget that, guys. Hey, Jerry, uh, there are there were some Texas uh, high school football recruits on campus. Uh, you and Justin Wells are, and Eric Nalin are working on that uh, for us on Inside Texas. I want to tell folks right now that we have a special running on Inside Texas. Uh, we do this every so often. Uh, the promo code on Inside Texas is OTFIT. 23. That's on Texas football IT for inside Texas 23. That's the promo code. Select the monthly offer $1 for just two uh, for two months, just $1. It's a special offer. Uh, give us, give us a try. They're going to be talking recruiting. Uh, Paul Wildington's got post game. So does Eric Nalin, uh, as well as Justin Wells, Joe Cook, uh, Steve Abel, uh, and Ian Boyd as well. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, let you go here, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you uh, doing the the watch with us as well, uh, and we'll see you soon. You got you guys have a great day. All right, All right. Hey, hey, Drew, we're going to catch up the next time we're somewhere. Let's, let's get to <laughs> <Louisiana. laughs> All right, guys. All right, see you. Hey, another thing I wanted to mention, guys, uh, before we before we go any further. One of the big keys we said better on third down on defense this year. That was a goal for Pete Kwiatkowski. Mm-hmm. Better yep. on fourth down. Sacks, turnovers. Yep. I would say they they won three of the four. They got better on third down. They they stopped some people on fourth down, and they definitely created turnovers. They maybe didn't get enough as many sacks as they wanted, even though they did create the pressure. Y'all agree they, with that com- yeah. comment? Yeah, yeah, they 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 did not get the sacks, uh, and, and I really don't. I mean, sometimes the sack opportunities won't come. I look at the sack. I look at the sack opportunities missed. Um, pressures are one thing and you can't control when someone gets the ball out, but when you have a chance to get home, you got to get home. Um, so definitely want to see them get to the quarterback and actually get down. I mean, it was a few times later in the game too, where you want to see those young guys and actually it wasn't even a young guy. I think it was Ethan Burke, which is, I mean, but still he had an opportunity. want to see him finish a sack in those types of plays. Uh, but defense in general, I love seeing third and 16. I was like, this is a Jalen Ford down. Just get oh. deep. That's your only yeah. job as a linebacker. Just get deep, son. <laughs> not, hey, got back there and made it happen, man. You know, man, them linebackers, they don't like to get deep either, they but he does it naturally. It's they the backpedaling. It's the turning now. Yeah. <laughs> Just get deep. It's third and 16. He got his depth, played right into that tight end, and that's where you make your money. I mean, truly. You got, yeah, well, he started off where he finished last year. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he is, man. His – I got to tell you, I, like I said, I, I, I love the fact that as a defensive back, a linebacker that actually gains depth, you know that, Drew, man, it's rare. Uh, one thing I will say, though, about uh, why they didn't get more sacks, because I think they should have, um, Rice was smart, and shout-out to Ian Boyd, and I guess shout-out to myself on Football Theory. We talked about defending the empty formations. Honestly, you could argue Rice didn't do it enough. 
Uh, one of the sacks they should have gotten, I remember, is JT Daniels escaped out of empty, and then he got a couple yards at the scramble. Um, JT Daniels, I believe, guys, was by my number, just on top of my six of seven out of empty formation. He was dealing. They was, I believe, the, t- the touchdown, I believe, was out of empty formation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so just, just so you know, last season, you guys remember Alabama? Do you guys remember what they ran a lot of? Empty when it counted. Empty when it counted. Oh, no, no. And, and guys, just so you know, we ain't previewing Bama yet, but listen to Rob B. Listen. I'm telling you, Black Stradamus would not steal you wrong. The, the most lethal formation in football today offensively is empty formation with a dual threat quarterback. And Alabama last year ran a lot of empty formation with a dual threat quarterback. And Jalen Miller rolls the dual, he's a, he's a dual threat quarterback, and they're going to run a lot of empty. I guarantee, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now what Bama's going to do. And I'm going to be here next week to tell you, I told you so. Hopefully, Texas, they watching the same film I'm watching because that makes sense, guys. That makes perfect sense because right now, at, what, Rice was six of seven. What do you think Alabama's going to do out of it? With a dual threat that you got to put a spy on. I, I, I here's, you, here's the reality, Rod, too, as it relates to that, in my opinion. It, it's it's not like Texas is, is bad off in the secondary. They actually no. have a good secondary. So your point is, is even furthered uh, by the fact that Texas looks like they have a strong secondary, but that's the one 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 uh, way that Rice actually moved the ball on the Longhorns this year. The only thing that worked. It was the only thing that worked, Bobby, and nothing else really worked for them. They had that one big play, but that was all. That's the only concept that consistently had success. All right, hey, let's let's talk a little bit about the defensive line. Uh, Tavondre Sweat, probably the defensive player of the game. He was he was a player of the game. Uh, according to the guys at Fox uh, that broadcast the game. Uh, you guys agree with that? And what would you think of the defensive front as a whole? Man, he was the, the defensive front, you know, there was an interview I saw um, that Jaron Thompson did a few weeks ago. said they're nasty and violent. Yes. There were, there were some downs during during the game today where they were just blowing things up. I'm not sure if they were fitting gaps or not. They just they didn't care. And you want to you want to see them have the ability to just disrupt. Yes, this is a different opponent, and we know their alignment aren't, but that's what you expect to see. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, and, and anchored by sweat right there in the middle. I mean, dude was just just his body, his presence. You can't move him off the ball, and the fact that he can play the number of downs he, he's capable of playing uh, with the energy he does, man. He he and he's a guy. He's an energy guy for the team. And he's the heaviest guy on that side, and he's still the high energy guy uh, that kind of keeps those go those guys running. So, uh, kudos to him today for for anchoring down that line. Look at this stat chart. Uh, would have never thought David Benda was the team's leading tackler. They did not play Jalen Ford much in the second half, though, guys. I no think need. He had two series. No need, right? I mean, that that means proving all he needs to prove. <laughs> you need they Texas. You you said it, Bobby. They it was intentional. They want to play a lot of guys. They play a lot of guys early. I mean, I was looking at the roster yeah. like what number? What number? What, what they were playing a lot of young guys early, and those guys were playing well. I'm not gonna lie. I love the way the young guys play. We can get into that a little bit later on. But mm-hmm. getting back to the D line, that's the strength. That the secondary, I think, is also going to be really good. Yeah. But man, that defensive front. That's where it starts. They set the tone. They set the tone. Um, basically, if they can start off. To this year, and it looks like they did versus Rice, but obviously next year it's going to be a, a next uh, game will be a bigger test. Uh, but th- with the rush defense basically being stout and being your identity, that 
you can stop the run versus damn near anybody. And even last year versus Bama, Bama had that big run. TCU had that big run. It ain't like they ran the ball down Texas' throat. They struggled to run the ball. You know what I mean? They popped. They just popped one or two, which which happens. Um, if that can be Texas' identity, it makes life on the DB. You know this, Drew. It makes life on the DBs real easy. We know they're going to shut down the run, and all we got to do is get them in predictable passing situations and everybody tee off. We know they're throwing defensive line coming. And, and that uh, to me, that's how you improve, like you said, on those third downs. Like you mm-hmm. said, we're third and longs, and everybody mm-hmm. knows this guy's got to throw it, and he's got to get down the field. It's got to be a vertical shot down the field, so he needs time, and that defense line can wreak havoc. So they're deep. I love Tavondre Sweatman. He's he may end up being the guy that decides. No, man, I know everybody thought Byron Murphy was going to be, you know, the the dog. And he's both of them. They dogs. Oh, right? The lead dog on that D line. Tavondre Sweat might be saying, hey, man, now nah, I'm the lead dog on this D-line. And that's what you want. You want that competition. Like, nah, man, I'm the that, lead. I'm that, big dog. I'm big dog. Big dog. Exactly. Hey, man, I love that. Big, hey, big dog yeah. energy like Bo Davis energy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're right, Rod. That, that's how it works. I mean, if one guy gets a sack, one guy gets a TFL, I mean, it's supposed to be a party at the football. And those guys up front, they don't get to eat all the time. The ball doesn't come to them. They don't get to cover the field from sideline to sideline. So uh-huh. when you have it right in your backyard, you got to take them down. Uh, those guys were getting after today. Uh, I was impressed with the way uh, they, they played. Alfred Collins with a batted pass showed Ooh. some stuff. He played a little in today. I, okay. I was very interesting to see Chris Ross, number 97, mm-hmm. on, a, on a couple of pass passes, get some real pressure. Yeah, um, he, he may be a little bit of a a threat good, and good, and feet, the, uh, good hands, rush, like great feet and great hands. And it, that, I remember, I mean, just on the on the play where I saw him get pressure, it just jumped off right away. I was like, oh, and I, I mind you, they rotated so many guys, Bobby. They did. I'm looking at the guy do the swim move. I'm like, what number is that? Yeah, I think second through the second quarter, I think they said 30 plus guys had already logged one snap, so it's just. Um, it was good that they had enough depth to be able to do that. But, yeah, Chris Ross did stand out. Uh, I saw, saw him just really good footwork and fresh bodies being able to come in and do that uh, really helps. Both they were putting in some work, guys. It's That guy, is he's proven his worth at this point. It's pretty, you know, the development is, is – The development. The development. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, what, what Texas is able to do next week against a bigger offensive front. Um, right. I mean, that's that's going to be what do they look like next week? They dominated this game, in my opinion. Right. I, I thought the Texas defensive front dominated the game. Texas yeah. defense in general dominated the game. Yeah. What do they look like next week when the level gets up? Right. And, and yeah. that's going to be that's going to be one that we're going to have to figure out uh, sometime next week. Uh, a couple other notes that I had down here, uh, guys. Uh, Jonte Cook got in the game. Y'all mentioned him. Cedric Baxter. With the injury to the shoulder, we believe uh, we do not have an update. If we do have one, please check out InsideTexas.com. They'll be getting that. Uh, also, Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore saw some action. Uh, who else did we see? Trevor Gooseby got in the game late at left tackle. Uh, I'm going down the list here. Defensive line. I don't know that Colton Vossett got in. Leonga LaFowle got in. I saw him. Anthony Hill got in. Yeah. Derek Williams, guys. Derek Williams got in. And Manny Muhammad. The, Muhammad ended the game with Wilson. five tackles. Derek Williams got in the second series as the as a as the safety. He has he had three tackles. 
Listen. On the game. Wow. Oh, what did you hear? You got something to say about him? He, I mean, you see some guys just flash. I wasn't looking for any guy. I got to the point where I stopped trying to figure out who was who. But then when a guy stood out, it's like, okay, I need to see who that is. And Derrick Williams, there was a couple plays. I just saw him fly through the screen. And you just that's what you want to see, playing yeah. with some intent and some intentionality there. Yeah, he's – yeah. Then you see him hop up off the ground. Okay, he, he starts rising up over some of the guys. That he <laughs> he's, he's a, a big, big guy. Hey, hey, the future's bright for DBU, you guys, because I'm a Malik Muhammad fan. I mean, he, he went out there and – he looks like he's a real deal, man. He's sticky. He is sticky in coverage. Uh, so I I think, you know, I think Sark's got him a couple of winners in the secondary right there. I'm talking about guys who'll be, well, I hope they'll be, you know, three-year starters, but, yeah, they might even be two-year starters. They're that damn good. He, he's like you, Rod. He's the guy we want them to test. Yes. He I want them for to it. test Malik. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no he's, the field, he's young, but I want them to test him because he's going to show up. He's going to make uh, some plays. Speaking with Rod Babers and Drew Kelson, it's the uh, On Texas Football, Inside Texas post-game show brought to you by uh, the folks at Flight, uh, a light beer, the next generation of light beer by Yingling. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in every every beer. Uh, it is a tremendous beer. If you like a, a new generation uh, but still enjoy the taste of a light beer, give them a try. Uh, it's in stores everywhere across the state of Texas. Guys, back to those turnovers. The three were uh, interception uh, by uh, Jalen Ford. We talked about Austin Jordan p- had a pick. That was after some pressure caused the pick, I think, uh, an errant yep. throw by JT Daniels. And then Jet Bush jumped on a, a fumbled snap exchange. Uh, that was the third one uh, as well. Uh, anything that you guys want to talk about next? Out of this group, Xavier Worthy. I forgot to. I did write this down in the return game. He had he had a good punt return, one good punt return yeah. where he kind of sliced the middle. Didn't quite get it, but he was close. He was close to breaking it. Yeah, that's why Sark just believes get him the football. That's why essentially he allowed him to be the returner instead of hell, even Deshaun Jameson uh, when he was still on canvas. He was like, no X Men, the football in his yeah. hands. He's electric. I just want to do that as much as possible, and he does. He he. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. He hits a different gear. Uh, his acceleration, deceleration is elite and next level. As a defender, you know this, Drew, as a guy in coverage, man. The guys that can accelerate and decelerate, slow down and go to zero to 60, man, they hard to keep up with. Guards are hard to guard, and he's one of them. Yeah, he's definitely one of them. Um, one, one thing you just mentioned, Bobby, about the turnovers, and I think this is something we, we take for granted, right, because I, I probably even said it earlier on in the game when – on, on the one that Austin Jordan got on that sideline. It's like, oh, you know, he got the pick, but it was due to the pressure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we tell ourselves, you know, we want to see a DB just do it. Nice, clean, one-on-one play, come off break and get the pick. But, man, it's a complimentary game. You need your D-line to get get the pressures. But also, he could have also dropped that ball. I mean, I know a guy who's dropped the ball on the pick. Hey, said, come hey. on, man. Ah, so, what's up with that, man? It's both of us, right? We both, we both drop picks in our lives. <laughs> So, so you got to complete the play. You got to complete That's the right. play. And so when you get those opportunities, catching that ball, because it wasn't as if it just came. I mean, it, it was he had a guy, defender right there. It, it, you got to take advantage of that. Hey, good point. Drew, you, you bring up a really good point because that's something Pete Kwiatkowski said. They had 14 turnovers last year. Texas made 14 turnovers last year. They let go of, I think, 17 more mm-hmm. that he thought were, yep. were 
you know, either interception possibilities or fumbles that were on the ground that were literally not just fumbled out of the out of the out of the uh, uh, off the sideline. And so you're right; they have to execute, right? And I think that they executed on defense. I worry that they didn't execute on offense today, not to the level of where they want to. If they're going to be Big Twelve champs, which is what we think they, that is possibility with the talent on this team. They've got to execute better on offense. Yep. Do y'all, do y'all agree with that comment? No, you just said it, Bobby. If 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 they're gonna be, this is, they, we know Texas always gets everybody's big shot, right? That's everybody's big game. Now you're talking about your last year in the Big Twelve, where the commissioner's talking trash about you, and everybody wants to take their last shot at Texas. If you're gonna be that team, who is gonna strike fear in the hearts of your opponents and demand respect to that extent? Uh, you got to play, you got offensively, they want to play to a higher standard. So I don't know if offensively, I don't know if this product that we watch today is going to be a product that ends up being enough. All right. Being prolific enough and being one that's feared enough right. to be, to go out and win the big 12. Cause we thought this offense was going to be the most high octane prolific offense, weapons galore, almost unstoppable, presenting the defense with mathematical equations they cannot solve. They can't double X-Man. They can't double JT and put A in the box. They can't. They'll be out of, they'll be out of answers. They're, they can't have enough answers to solve all the problems that Sark's offensive genius will present. And you went out there versus Rice, and I'm like, well, hell, man, Rob, he can come up with a defensive game plan to stop that. I, mean, I ain't gonna lie. That didn't that that offense did not look that prolific. It did not look that impressive. Let's be honest, right? We talked about offense. We thought this was gonna lead the way. This offense was gonna be a a a a, a blockbuster type of offense, one of the greatest offenses we've seen on the forty acres. And honestly, the truth is, it just didn't look like that. Now it's just game one, but the truth is, it just did not look like a great offense. It's like an offense that honestly, once it gets in the Big Twelve play, very defendable. Yeah, it's, it's, for, for me, Rod, it's, I felt, and I felt this way a little bit in camp, but there's still some tinkering going on. Um, I know we, you know, we we returned ten starters, but one of our offensive linemen who started last year didn't start off this game, and so there's still some, there's still some tinkering going on. Um, I, I do think if we get things solid up front uh, on, from a mental standpoint, and guys understanding their assignments so they can play fast, physical, they're not miscommunicating on the pass. Uh, blocking uh they're in sync on the run blocking um I, I feel like we ran inside zone better than we did outside zone today um in, in certain cases so it's just there's a few things i know we're still tinkering with working on uh, I, i'm going under the assumption in some ways that we did not spend as much time game planning for this one as we thought we needed i mean we didn't care to win 60 plus to zero um mm-hmm. So that wasn't a priority. Uh, I think Sark made it clear that wasn't going to be his priority uh, this week. (laughs) Hey, I like that. That's awesome, Drew. That is awesome. That's what it's all about right there, buddy. Hey, I I, I tell you what, I want to say this real quick. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference said that Cedric Baxter was out with a rib, uh, a rib injury, and that he was getting tested uh, tomorrow. So he'll get tested tomorrow. And we'll see how that goes from there. Uh, but uh, if that's the case, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. That that means Sark also said all four running backs should be ready to go next week. Savion Red, by the way, got some snaps 
late in this. All right, we're going to take some questions uh, and get going in this and, and uh, have you guys uh, talk talk it up as much as you want here. Uh, here's one from Texas Takes. Biggest takeaways, deep ball, question mark. O-line got beat in the trenches by Rice. CJ status. I think that CJ status, we just updated you on. I agree with the question mark about the deep ball. I still have questions. I how bad did, did o, the O line real? This is one for you and you and uh, Drew Rod. Did the O line really get beat in the trenches, or um, or was Rice just putting seven guys in the box? Um, I don't know if I'll say that. Yeah, it I, wasn't I, seven I guys. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't seven. No, no. I mean, I mean, there, there was a couple times I saw, uh, you know, Kelvin Banks give up, give up some pressure. We were not used to seeing him give up. Um, gave up a sack. So, I mean, that listen, Rice came out and and they, they had a plan. And goodness, it sounds crazy for me to give credit to an opponent, but in this case, really, uh, the guys just didn't feel like they were in sync, uh, capable but not in sync. Uh, so it just the, the mental side of the game needs to be cleaned up. Um, they, they have to be in sync in order to execute. Um, you can say we got beat, but it wasn't as if guys were executing their jobs cleanly and getting beat in those instances. Uh, in some cases, you just saw uh, the, just what miscommunication or just someone just just not uh, getting the right leverage. Uh, and a lot of leveraging type blocks come with communicating, and you know that you have to peel off a little bit sooner than later. So it's just there, there's some things I know that they need to clean up, but also in a game like this, you want to have some opportunities to go back and clean up because uh, if it's just mental, it's obviously not physical type of deficiencies today. Uh, these are things you can go fix in the film room, practice this week and, and be better prepared for next week. Yeah. Maybe not beat in the trenches deceived. <laughs> All right. They were deceived because rice, even rice would have been like, man, we can't beat up Texas in the trenches, right. but deceived, I think. And I agree with Drew. Drew's right. They can clean up a lot of this because this is game one, right? First time you're seeing it. That's what film study is all about. And that's why you got practice. Uh, my, the, the butt for me, all right, the, the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Megan the Stallion size butt for me is that, I, Bobby, I've been complaining about this for a while now. I talked about it. I watched that Baylor game. I was like, hey, man, I wouldn't watch the Baylor game. Nobody cares about it. I've been talking about it for the whole offseason. Like, I watched that Baylor game again. And it was very interesting what Dave Aranda did with simulated pressures and amoeba fronts. I got to tell you, he got five sacks. Did anybody pay attention? Nobody cared. Nobody was like, ah, whatever, I'd be. We, hey, we're going 11 and 1, baby. Whatever yeah. you're talking about. We about to win the national title, college football playoff. I'm like, okay, did you watch the Baylor game, though? It was really interesting what Dave Aranda did. And nobody cared. And then today, versus what do they run? Simulated pressures and amoeba fronts, and they confuse the pass blocking on the Texas offensive line, and the pass protection ends up being a liability because they can't figure out who's coming and who's dropping with those amoeba fronts and simulated pressures. And I'm thinking they had all offseason to figure it out, hmm, and they didn't. And Alabama's coming up game two, and I went and watched the Alabama game from last year, and you know – Two of their sacks were also simulated pressures. So it's something that they do as well. And I know that Nick Saber's watching the film because Rice was watching the same damn film. That's why they did it. So I'm thinking to myself, well, who you know who else is going to do it? Alabama's going to do it. So I'm freaking out a little bit right now, just a little bit, because it's something they had all season to work on. And they, obviously, they didn't fix it. They didn't fix it because Rice figured it out. So there you go. Yeah, I'm freaking out. There you go. <laughs> Right, right, right. This, this is this is chess, not checkers, man. You know they they, they can show Bama that they figured it out. Okay. So. Oh, they- <laughs> 
can't show that you fixed it yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next week, Rod. <laughs> Oh no, oh, you're man. right. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, yes. That's brilliant. This. This. <laughs> all right. All right. That was a special one, Rod. That oh, may go God. in the Rod Babers Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, all right. Uh from Rudy Serta Super Chat. Don't feel too confident oh, in 10 and 2 if yours is going to struggle with the deep ball. Not to add Cedric Baxter looked like he went down with a broken collarbone. Uh Sark said it's ribs that they're x-raying tomorrow. Guys, 10 and 2 with yours if he's going to struggle. I agree with the Rudy here, but at the same time, slow down. Go ahead. Slow Drew, I see you want to say something. First, I mean, if we're going to struggle with the deep ball, that's in its own bucket. We need to address that. But that's not going to be the difference between whether we go 10 and 2 or not. Um, uh, we have our strength should be in the trenches. Uh, that That is the difference. That should be our strength going into the Big 12, regardless of what happens next week at Bama. Going 10 and 2 goes comes down to the trenches. It comes down to how we perform in the trenches, how we control the line of scrimmage, how we establish the run game and play complementary football. Um, so that's what we need to clean up. Uh, that's what we need to focus on, and that's where we need to, to get things anchored um, and clean definitely on the offensive side of things. But yes, we want to see those deep balls connect. <laughs> uh, yes, we want to 10 2, 10 and 2 or better. And those are definitely things we need to do. But um, I, I was inspired a bit by, by Jaden Blue, just seeing that he can come in and find the yards that we want to see our backs find yep. uh, and find them sometimes where they weren't there. They weren't just given to them. That's all you ask for from a back. And he did it consistently enough today to where I'm confident in him finding it uh, moving forward. It had nothing to do with the opponent. Uh, so I'm actually happy that Rice was as disruptive as they were because we actually got to see Jaden Blue operate in a very cloudy you know, in, but between the tackles, I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was not it was not easy. There were not wide open gaps. They were not running through wide open gaps today, guys. These guys had to work for it. So um, it's good to see our backs. We still have some backs who can navigate those things when it's not nice, clean, and clear. So I'm not saying ten and two is out of it, uh, and, and hopefully um, we can we can find some D balls a little bit later in the season. I do mm-hmm. want to say this: Texas lost uh, at least four points uh, when Jonathan Brooks dropped the pass on third down. Uh, just uh, consider yeah. that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. One other one other thing that I would say is you're talking about Jaden Blue. Drew, I thought his best run was on the third and six, and he waited. He was patient behind patient. the left side of that line. It looked like he was getting happy feet, and all of a sudden he just realized he didn't have to have happy feet, and Neto and Kelvin Banks obliterated some guys together on that mm-hmm. one. Um, I, I thought that was a really good – Good run from him as well. All right, uh, keep it going here. Hey, you guys have played the game, and I think this is a great question for either one of you who wants to address it. Is there a chance the boys were looking past Rice a little and the game plan on offense was vanilla? Oh, I can get that. I want to get that because I did say, uh, Ian Boy and I I talked about this on Football Theory. I said, if I'm Sark, I would would have devoted last week and this week and next week to Alabama. And I probably would have been like, man, I ain't no disrespect yeah, right. to Rice, but we're going to beat Rice. We're going to beat – I'm sorry, we're going to beat Rice. I'm trying to shock the world. And to shock the world, I got to be unconventional. <clears throat> and I always say, all right, one opponent at a time. Man, man, you got to make sure you take, you know, each week, one week at a time and make sure you go 1-0 and and 2-0. and I probably would have been a little cocky and a little arrogant and went, you know what, man, we got I'm, – I'm going to devote 50% of this week to Rice, 50% maybe to Alabama – the kids may not know. It. I may do it in a covert, clandestine way. I'm not saying I'm not telling that to the 
the players. I'm like telling that to my coaches. I might just do that when I, you know, implement some Alabama in team and seven on seven. They may not even know it, but I would do it anyway. And <laughs> that's that's how I would have approached it. So hopefully that's exactly what they did. And that's but, why they looked so vanilla on offense. What about looking past them, though? Like that the seems a little bit different. The players looking past them. You guys are former players. Did y'all ever look past an opponent? Um, I mean, looking past is one thing. Uh, and I guess the definition of that, it's one thing. You watch film all week and you, you're just like, how, how much time do there's just a different edge you get when you watch film and you see something on the film that that's going to pull the best out of you. Trust me this week when the guys are watching Bama film, there's not going to be, Oh yeah, we're running through this guy or we're moving this guy or we're going to, I can defend like you have to prepare for it. It's, I mean, it's human nature. I mean, you watch rights on film, unfortunately, I mean, you watch them warm up. Uh, I mean, it just, it, it, it can take an edge that could be helpful that you'd otherwise have in a, in a game against, uh, you know, a, a different opponent. So, uh, but no, I, I mean, this is football. Uh, I want to show up and play. Malik Muhammad didn't look like he was looking past anybody. Uh, exactly. Devondre Sweat didn't look like he was looking past anybody. Come on, uh, man. So there's a lot of guys who showed up that did not look like they were looking past anybody. Um, but, yeah, the offense came out, sputtered, you know, had some things that didn't go 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 smooth to start off. And that that can happen. Uh, Rice came with a game plan early that that disrupted us in some ways that I, I'm going to say we didn't anticipate. <laughs> I'm just going to say we didn't anticipate because it happened too frequently. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- that can happen in games like this. But but I don't expect that to be an issue uh, uh, moving forward. Got it. Um, I'm Bobby Burton. I joined by Drew Kelson and Rod Babers. Uh, this is the post game show presented by uh, Flight the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, We appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, Flight has just 2.6 carbs, so it's low carb and only 95 calories uh, per drink. Uh, Give it a try. That's Flight from Yingling. Uh, It is a good tasting uh, light beer for sure. Hey, guys, uh, this one's from MJ Allen. Uh, Defense golden, offense sleepwalking. Not a bad description (laughs) at times, right? All last year, there were issues with calls on the O-line. Those issues continue today. Can we do anything to fix it? Personnel changes. I I will say this. I felt when Neto came in, the offense moved better on the ground and gave Quinn some some leeway. When they put a strong run blocker next to Kelvin Banks, it gave him a chance on the left-hand side in the run game a little bit. What what are y'all's thoughts on that? Is it it personnel? Do they need to go more to – Matching strength with strength, like a guy that that run blocks, like Neto alongside Kelvin Banks, either right or left left side. I don't I don't care which. They did go uh, with the six O line package some too. Uh, I think Malik Agbo was the guy they were using yep. for the six O yep. line package. They got him at number eighty. Yep. Guys, can we, real quick, can we come to the point now where eighty is a is a number for O linemen, Drew? <laughs> That was a that's a that was a wide receiver and a coveted number. The goat Jerry Rice wore that number. Now we're at the point where old linemen are sporting. It should be universally retired. Right? It's like falling that far on the cool meter. Like, come on, man. All right. Anyway, but uh, in terms of that, I, I did see them throw. And honestly, Sark likes to use that six o line package as you know, kind of a play action pass deception uh, package because he usually uses it on first down. 
And I believe that's when he does his play action pass. He tries for some of those deep shots, but they also use it in a run game. And I got to go back and check and see if they had mm-hmm. some success running the football when they just add mass. They call it the big 11, big 12 package. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, the offensive line, like I said, I, I, I think that they, they've struggled. You've identified, we've identified a concept they struggle with and it's simulated pressures and it's twists and stunts combined with that because they because rice actually just blitzed and it was no simulated pressure they did a blitz it's a five-man blitz then they did a twist and a stunt and they couldn't pick that up so when you make these old linemen have to communicate post snap and you make them have to adjust on the fly post snap they struggle they struggle to pick up those guys and pass off those guys in pass protection so we know that now that's obviously coaches know that too and unfortunately the opponents know that too but run blocking wise, I think it'll be okay. I would not freak out run blocking wise. I love what I saw from Jaden Blue. Jonathan Brooks can make plays and break tackles and get to the second <laughs> level. Those guys got enough skills, great vision, ski speed, and burst. I think the run game is going to be okay. It's not going to be what it was with Bijan and Rojo. So sorry, <laughs> like you guess you're going to miss those guys. That's just the reality of it. We're hoping that the O line and then the passing game ends up like you know taking going to an elite level. And becoming something that is is almost indefensible, but it wasn't that today. And if you don't have the deep ball as a threat in the passing game, you can still be pretty lethal working a short to intermediate. But here's the here's the rub, guys. Remember, go watch that Washington game, right? The Alamo Bowl, and the broadcasters made a comment in that game about talking to the defensive coordinator from Washington, and he says that the de- that the defensive coordinator for Washington said Sark doesn't have the patience to drive down the field just using the quick game and the underneath. He's got to take his shots. And we defend his shots. They get behind the chains. And then we got to win the money downs. So you ain't really got to – because, yeah, Texas don't complete the underneath, but they'll get tired of that because Sark's a big game hunter psychologically. He's not. He doesn't like small game. He doesn't like quail and dove. He doesn't want your game birds. No, he's a, he going to the African plains. He's trying to get that big game and put that head on his damn wall because that's what he is. That's in his DNA. But you take that away from him, and then you force him to make a decision. Do you do you want to win this game, or do you want to be big blank swinging and throw your deep ball and force the issue? And in that game versus Washington, they basically bet on nope, Sark's not going to march down the field, and he wouldn't. He would he would he would get down the field so far, and then he would take his shot. Take and time. they they backed their corners up. And what did Rice do? Their corners were backed up, and they were like, "We're going to defend the shot. We'll give you underneath. But we're going to defend that shot." And when you do that. You keep yourself in the game with Sark. Rice was in the game. They just can't score. <laughs> they had any kind of offense. They would have been a better game. It wasn't. That's the key. So we'll start. And now if Sark will continue to take underneath and he'll be able to march down the field 13, 14, 15 plays, I think Texas will be okay. But then he will be denying the, per, the play caller that he is, denying who he is. All right. You want to win games or do you want to be the greatest or uh, greatest, most brilliant play caller of all time? No. Nah. Right, football, football in life, or both, right? Constant struggles, deciding between what you want to be and what you need to be in order to survive. What you want to be ain't got nothing to do with what you need to be in this life. And Sark's got to decide what he wants to be and what he needs to be. That's the decision right now for him. And, and, and Rod, I, I think, you know, you got to decide what you can be today. Like today you can be one thing and you can work on being the next thing later. Yes. But you got to figure out what you are today. And I know back to what... Kind of what Bobby was saying, like, where do we go with the O-line? You know, when Neto came in, we, it looks like we had a bit of a more of a rush. I mean, I, at this point, I want us to strengthen and anchor our run game. 
Uh, if I had to choose between, I want to anchor our run, run game because if we stay ahead of the chains, we can stay out of obvious passing downs. I want to stay out of obvious pass. I'm terrified of obvious passing downs right now. Right? <laughs> Um, but that that's why Ewers doing his job and taking the first downs, Drew, I agree with yeah. you. So that that those two first downs showed something that he rarely did last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he did it once against K-State last year. Agreed. If I recall correctly. Yeah. Hudson Card did it better than, than mm-hmm. Quinn did, did last year. Um, and so I, I agree with that. And that's one of the reasons why I, I'm I'm kind of high on that actually a little bit based off what we saw today. He's not going to be able to run like that against Alabama, though. But maybe <laughs> maybe all he needs to do is get one first down. That's all, baby. You know, it's, it's a yep. little bit different animal, right, yep. that you're going, going up. All right, take this question, guys, from Victor. The main thing that Brock Heward brought up that's different about this Texas team is size. All right, I, I've got an example of that. Malik Murphy comes off the bench. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And throws an absolute gun to, to Isaiah Nayor. Those wow. are your backups. <laughs> Rod, did you? Isaiah Nayor is a big dude. Yeah. And he was, and Brock Hewer is actually talking about the offense and defensive lines. He wasn't talking about the outside receiver and the backup quarterback. That, they I mean, got some big guy. Texas looks, uh, Drew, you mentioned earlier, Derek Williams. He got up and he just kept going up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they look, to me, I'm telling y'all, they look different as a team. More guys can make plays. Anthony Hill looks good. I mean, what were y'all's thoughts about the size and playmaking? Because Rod, you went over this, the Havoc plays. Yeah. They have you today. And honestly, it kind of reminds me, this is strange you bring that up. Like I said, Justin Wells brought this up probably last week and made a really good point. Like, when was the last time Texas was in this position where they were bringing back the brand and they had stockpiled all this talent, but yet they hadn't proven it just yet. They were just trending in the right direction and they were everybody's pick and everybody was on board. And he brought up 2001. Back when I was on campus, and I was like, actually, I remember that. And it's kind of what you just talked about, Bobby. Back then, people were saying the same thing about the guys that were behind us. That was the Vince Youngs. That was the the Michael Huffs and the Cedric Griffins. And they were like, man, yeah, sex is good right now. But you see them guys who are coming up? Them guys coming up are pretty damn good, man. Them guys, Because Texas has started stockpiling, right, class on class of talent. That's where you hope they are now, where it's like, yeah, no, look, the guy's starting their day up good players. They're gonna play in the NFL. But honestly, the guy behind him, I think that guy might be a better player in long term. That's where you that's so hopefully, Bobby, that's exactly what you're you're hoping your eyes are that you know that eye test is matching up with that. 
Drew, you were part of that group in some ways. Yeah, he was. What do you have to say about that from that vantage point? Man, it's funny. I guess I was part of the group that, that guys were just different. I think about Derek Johnson when he first came in. Oh, yeah, I talk about him. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> you know, you think about some of those. There's some players, Corey Red. You think about some of the guys that, that, were, that, that, that came in on, on the back end of that. Um, yeah, they, 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 the, the, this team, and Bobby, you've been saying it all offseason. I went to a practice in the spring and saw the guys once this summer, but it just looked different. Um, when they run out on the field, it's going to look different, but it was always going to come down to how they execute, how they deploy uh, the team. Uh, size and talent will not be the challenge this year. It, 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 it's really going to be up here. Um, it's going to be mentally preparing for games, mentally executing games, mentally handling losses or bad plays, and mentally uh, handling success. So uh, it's all between the ears at this point, fellas. Um, hard work is, is is there. They're going to keep working. Uh, good thing this game, uh, you know, hate to hear about uh, Baxter. Hope that things come back um, positive for him. Uh, but in general, it seems like the platoon effect of all this depth and all of these guys was helpful today. We did get to see a lot of different guys get out there. And, and honestly, can't say that we would have can do that every year with some of the rosters we've had. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Th th these guys are big. These All right. Hey, big. this one's from Greg Case, guys. Uh, Sorrell, Baron Sorrell was a non-factor. That was a surprise to me. He actually had a good game opener last year against Louisiana Monroe. You know, I don't think they played him. They almost had him on the same rep level as Jalen Ford. Everybody. I We saw a lot of Ethan Burke, a lot of Chris Ross, a lot of Justice Finkley, Justice even Finkley. some Jamon Tapp mm -hmm. in the third and fourth quarter. Not a lot of Baron Sorrell. I think that's one guy they do not want to get injured this season. Uh, that's my – they don't want yeah. Jalen Ford. They, they, we didn't see a lot of Jalen Catalan in the second half. Yeah, hey guys, I and it's in, we saw the depth chart today, right? A lot of andors on that depth chart. And Drew, you remember back in the day. I mean, I don't know if we have as many andors on the depth chart as they do now. You will know who Sark and this staff trust based on who plays versus Bama. That's it. That's, That's it. you'll know all you need to know about man. Do they trust this guy? No, if they trust that guy, believe he's a player, he'll play versus Bama. If they don't think he's ready, he won't be out there versus Bama. Because Nick Saban and his staff, they'll find that weakness. Uh, so I, I, that's what we'll know. Versus Rice, you, you're not going to know. I mean, they, they're, right. they're playing a lot of guys. They want to play a lot of guys. Some of those competitions were still going on. Hell, during that Rice game, they still may be decided uh, during the week. So I think the Bama mm -hmm. game, that's when you only play players you trust. Trust that they can, they can, they can carry it. They can execute carry out the mission and they can play at a high level in, in elite crit play at an elite level in critical moments. And Sorrell will be out there. And Sorrell will be out there a lot. <laughs> he will, yeah, he will get his snaps. We will yeah, see him next week. Yeah. Trust me. All right. I'm Bobby Burton. This is the post-game show. Texas defeats Rice 37 to 10. Longhorns had a 37 to 3 lead going into the final quarter, giving up a final touchdown, make it 37-10. Uh, I'm alongside Drew Kelson and Rod Babers. Uh, this uh, show is brought to you by Flight by Yingling. Uh, it is a light beer, the next generation of light beer, 2.6 carbs, uh, 95 calories, just 95 calories, mm -hmm. and all the great taste. Um, I'm going to ask you guys this. The freshmen were pretty impressive, in my opinion. Your thought. Uh, Drew, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Derek Williams, Manny Muhammad's names come along. Anybody else? Cedric Baxter had a nice run. Any other uh, freshmen? 
Jontae Cook got got a couple catches in the fourth quarter. I, I, I want to see Anthony Hills track down and hit backs a bit more. Hmm. I, I saw him track down the tackle, and it was, I mean, it was fundamental play, but you just see a different pop, and then you see him hop up off the ground. There's a certain level of ath- athleticism that I don't think when you see a guy run from the middle of the field, make a tackle on the sideline. When you see how fast he hops up off the ground after running across the field and making a tackle, there's a certain level of just twitch, athleticism, explosiveness that, that comes with that. Hmm. And I just want to see more of, of, of him chasing some guys down because uh, he, he's he's a he's, he's he's a good specimen, man. Like that that kid, we, we want to see more of him. Uh, and, and, and Manny Muhammad stood out and everything else, but he was the one player I was like, man, I want to see him get some more snaps just because of the way he flies and the way he hopped up off the ground. Um, it, it, I'm telling you, the, the kid, he's, these guys are different. Mm. They are different. They, they yep. really are. All right. I, I'll stay with you, Drew. I want your offensive and defensive player of the game. <sighs> defensive player of the game. Um, my guy, Manny Muhammad, maybe because he came out Ooh. the gates ready, defending passes, turning on. I mean, Tavondre Sweat is easy, but I just – I appreciated seeing that young guy get as many snaps as he did early, regardless of the opponent, assignment sound. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, if I had to say – I mean, that, that's just that that's just the guy who jumped out to me early. As far as guys who flashed, and and not just for this game, guys that I anticipate and I know I can trust going into these, these next few games – He's a guy that jumped off the screen to me uh, early on, and then um, I love it. Gosh, offensively, mm. I, I'm I'm tempted to say Jaden Blue, to be honest with you, um, and and probably from the perspective is I didn't know how much of him we were going to see or how many snaps we were going to see, but the quality that we got for what we with what he gave us, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you you couldn't ask for anything more of that. So, um, who who knows uh, what the rotation looks like moving forward? Um, I'm not going to pretend there was any star. I mean, I mean Xavier Worthy could have been the easy answer there, to be honest with you. Uh, but we know he can get open every down uh, against certain teams when he wants to. Uh, but I really appreciate what Jaden Blue came in. And I know that the answer was player of the game, but uh, these are players that I just want to see more from. Uh, and I appreciated what they brought to their, to their side of the ball this week. I like that answer with Jaden Blue, though. Because when Sark was asked what position – he is watching the most or looking most forward to watching in the game. He said running back. Remember, he brought up running back was that position. And I'm with you. I don't even know if he expected to see Jaden Blue as much or play him as much. We had the injury to CJ Baxter, and then Jaden Blue averages over five yards per carry. So I like that. I mean, because that's that running game is everybody's concern post Bijan and Rojo era that we're in right now. All right. Uh, but I'll obviously offensively, I'll go with X Man. He is, you know, he's all he, he's a big part of your offensive identity right now. Like, I, I don't know what how much of it, but he's a big part of it. And you know opposing defensive coordinators now, you know how, at least you know how they're going to start their defensive game plan. Taking X-Men away. You already know, like, all right, we got to neutralize X-Men. I don't know how we're going to do it. We gonna, And honestly, that helps Sark. It helps him. He knows, like, hey, man, they're going to roll coverage to him. You can, you can use him as a decoy at times, moving him around, shifting him around. So I actually like that. I'll go with X-Man. That's an easy answer, like you said, Drew. So I'll take the lazy answer. Uh, defensive player of the game. I'm telling you, Rod, that they're playing chess, Rod. I'm telling you. Uh, playing chess. <laughs> hey, I hope so. I he hope so. X, every time a ball went to X today, the ball was in the air, and I was like, oh, who is he throwing to? I was like, oh, damn, it's X again. 
again. Again. Target X again. So, so you say hey, get Alabama focused on X, and then they gonna hit A. D. Mitchell or Jay Witt on the deep ball. Chestnut checkers, right? Hey, I win. Hey, I hope so. Because listen, I, I've always said this about football, Dallas. The way you win big games, whether it be Super Bowl, national title games, playoff games, break tendency. Because you got guys like me who are paid money, so they better than me. All right, who sit in a, a film room? You know this, Drew, for. Eight hour, eight, nine hours at a time watching film coming, got notes like this with patterns and trends and, and tendencies, and they know everything that you do out of every formation, every situation. Yep. So what you need to do is flip the script and show them that, and then they start thinking, oh, yo, this is actually, they're going to end up running this exact play. This is what we've been shown. 80% of the time, you break tendency and do something else. Mm-hmm. That's how you win big games. So you're right. If Sark, maybe start playing the okie doke. Well, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm hoping too, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? And he's gonna get he's like, Oh, y'all think it's gonna be X-Men? No, nope, we're gonna get JT Sanders gonna be featured on you. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the case. Uh defensively, I'll go with David Bender, man. Good for him. Uh led the team in tackles in this game, ended up with a half a sack, half a tackle. They did get him. The longest play, I believe, was on Bender. I'm not trying to point that was a tough one. No, yeah. he, he didn't. He didn't watch the backside. Yes, yeah, you, actually, when, when something leaves, you know that dude, when it leaves, don't, don't run with it. If something's coming back to you, just look for what's coming back to you. And he didn't do that. He was a little late, and they got a big play. But I thought, other than that, honestly, I thought he played really well, and um, he I, good for him. I mean, he stuck it out in the transfer portal era. That's a great story. Because usually guys like that, they get either lost in the shuffle, oh, they get recruited over, or they end up transferring. And David Bender stuck it out and had a great uh, opening to the season. All right, I'm gonna, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna be actually the guy that goes with the obvious. I'm going with Xavier Worthy. Yeah. Uh, I think you include what he did on offense, one special teams, kind of a nice play there. And I'm also going with the obvious on defense to Vondre Sweat. So I got to be honest, y'all y'all went with some uh, y'all put some more thought in yours. Maybe I was just like. Who do I want to see? Let, let's let's take the let, let's let's take this question uh, because I it's it's more about perception from the Texas fan base. You and I, you guys and I both know right now that pre- Texas fan base probably saw that game, and half of them at least were disappointed with what they saw in the first half, based on their expectations. Should they be, or should they say this is football? And we got to figure this out and they'll improve over the time because we've talked about how Sark was vanilla. We've talked about how they've got to figure out what they are and how they can do it as well as this other thing. The defense was really darn good. It was good. You know, so, but defense doesn't sell tickets. It just wins championships, right? I mean, unless you're the 85 bears or whatever, 86 bears, it doesn't sell any tickets. Mm-hmm. So, should Texas fans, in your opinions, be a little upset, a little worried, or should they be actually encouraged by a few of the things they saw, or is it a mix of both? Rod, you go first. Um, I always say coaches are just problem solvers. They're just paid to solve problems. Sometimes they're X's and O's. Sometimes they're you know a, a kid who's not focused. Sometimes it's you know get a kid with grades. Sometimes you got to be whatever it is. Right? You just got to solve the problem. You got to figure out, you got to be a solutions-oriented mind. And I think Sark is that. That's why I think he brought in so many, he loved the special assistants to the head coach. So I think those coaches kind of bring him solutions 
to problems uh, within his program. He loves that. So that's why, and, and by the way, by the way, in, in the, in the off season, Sark is always open about his man in the mirror moments about, Hey man, we got to get better at this. The passing game regress. This needs to improve. I love how forthcoming and open he is about that. I think that's part of his growth and maturity as a coach. Uh, but there, I think if you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, every week it's a process, right? This is this is a journey. This is the starting point. You probably wanted to start. You want to have a this is like track, right? You want to have a better start. Sometimes, Drew, you ran track. Sometimes, man, you have a you have a terrible start to the race, and yeah. that doesn't mean the race is over. You just had a bad start, or you didn't have the best start. Not, not a bad start. Not the best. So you got you know you're you're somewhere in the middle. You're not where you thought you would be. But it's not the end of the race. All right. You still got to you still can improve. You still can improve your position. You still can get better. And I think for Texas, this is the start of the journey. They're going to get better on offense. If this is the start of the journey for defense. Oh, we in for we in for a great season. They, they, the defense may be able to go from good to great. Potentially, we gotta be watching that journey offensively. I think they got to solve some problems. They got about three or four problems. The deep ball. They got to solve that. They got to solve the pass protection against simulated pressures and twists and stunts and amoeba fronts got to solve that and i think you know you also got to solve i i'm not gonna say the running you got to figure out who's your who the, well, who's the identity of your, your running game what guys represent what role in your running offense because i don't know what role the running backs are playing does that make sense like Bijan and rojo they can do everything there's not a role they can't play but i don't know if these guys can do all of that i think they're just complimentary right now Unfortunately, you didn't get to see Cedric Baxter, right? Yes, right. and that—that's part of that. So, draw overall, do you think they should be Texas fans should be encouraged, discouraged? Where, where, where is your take on that? Uh, I would be encouraged. I'm—I'm I'm encouraged. I, like I said, I—I I trust this staff. This staff has earned my trust. You know what I mean? That's—that's that's it. They've earned my trust. Well, next week versus Bama, <laughs> I may have—I'll be singing a different tune. But they've earned my trust. I think they'll watch the, the film and then they'll go back and fix the issues they need to fix. Um, and like I said, it's all about this team getting better every week. That's what we want to see. They get better every week. I think it'll be okay. But if they we see regression, we see the same issues, which may come up. No, I know which may, which will come up versus Bama because Nick Saban will force the issue. Then we may be having a different discussion about the growth of the team. What, what about you, Drew? You think Texas fans should be encouraged, discouraged? Uh, not not over the not over the overjoyed necessarily. Where, where are you at with this team right now, uh, based on this first game? I mean, if, if Texas fans today were expecting, you know, dominance, and we're gonna, I mean, first drive easy seven points, second drive fourteen points, third drive twenty one points, and that's what they expect moving forward, then you, you may be disappointed, <laughs> you know, because. That, that that's just that that's just not how the game works. I know that's how we want it to work, uh, but there's also you can't really predict in certain games when those things are going to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're vanilla on offense, any defense who lines up can do exotic things, different things, and, and just kind of disrupt things for you because offense really has to be a sink up front. Um, and so I do think we do we do have some opportunities to to improve there, and I think we'll be fine. Uh, the one thing, however, when you're when you're vanilla on defense, but you have the guys, mm-hmm. you can still have an edge. And so yeah. I think that showed today. I, I think we were vanilla really on both sides. And it's just one side got a chance to shine, actually shine more than others. So it's, it's really good to see. It's encouraging from our defense to see them shine, uh, just kind of just playing so many different guys. Um, 
Whereas our offense, they sputtered here and there, but, you know, they found the, the points when they needed to find the points and actually start called the plays when they need to call the plays. Um, so we, we have some opportunities there. But one thing I'll say why they should be encouraged and, and kind of going back to your point, Rod, if the fans saw it, if we saw it, Sark saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he may not have said it in the post-game press conference, but exactly. he may mention it in next week's press conference. But I know he's – if you saw it, he definitely saw it. Uh, he may not speak to it. He may not address it. Um, but I trust this staff, uh, you know, takes pride in what they put on film and what they show. And, and there's some things they probably expect it to look deficient considering their game plan. Uh, but they'll see and address what they need to address and, and be prepared for next week. I know people are talking about next season and the rest of the season. We still have a three-game season before the season starts. Uh, and it kicks off next week, uh, the second game of the season. So oh, yeah. um, right now, these first three games are about us developing and getting guys and really sorting through things so we can go win the Big 12. And I think that's really the big picture thing we got to keep in mind here. Uh, but we definitely want to be prepared for next week. And I think uh, the coaches got some things on film that, that they saw this week that they'll that they'll address, and we'll see how they perform coming out next week. Guys, I, I agree with uh, both of what y'all said, essentially. I, I, I agree that it wasn't perfect. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I said it a week ago, and I still believe that the early portion of this season is going to be led by the defense. And that's what happened today. Um, Quinn is still young and learning. I'm going to bring up this from a poster, by the way, or from a, uh, a commenter on our chat. Ohio State won 23-3 to against Indiana today. Okay. Texas only gave up 100 yards of offense going into the third quarter or in the, into the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. You're going to be in games and being pretty good if you can hold teams to 100 yards through three quarters, right? In 105-degree weather, by the way, where the offense has a little bit of an edge in that, that, that impact. That being said, I still go back to what we said also in preseason. Quinn Ewers has to improve. Um, he has to improve. He needs to be a 65 to 70% passer, consistent, et cetera. He has to hit some deep balls. Uh, and so if, if he doesn't, it's going to be one of those situations where we're going to be talking about this again and again uh, yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, say, David, thank you for uh, the super chat here. I'll try to find your question in a second. I want to ask yeah. you about th- this one is one that I liked a lot too. David Williams asked, Mm-hmm. Ethan Burke definitely should have had two sacks today. He did miss one. That's I what saw Drew, it. Yeah, Drew and Drew and Rod both mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, the first sack he got though, that was hell of an effort. Yeah, he, he got cut. He got yeah. cut. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he got cut and got up off it and went and got him. Um, he also, I thought he did play well against the run. There were a couple of plays where he kept the ball inside of him and worked himself through traffic and held the held the edge. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought I actually thought Ethan Burke, while he wasn't, you know, Superman out there or anything, I thought he played reasonably reasonably well for his first start. Yeah, and they had him standing up sometimes. Sometimes they had him down. I I agree. I could see the the mechanic <laughs> term that Sark threw on him because he's he is he's workman like. That was that sack was the epitome of it. It was a workman like sack. It was a blue collar sack. 
He's rushing the, the QB. He gets cut. He goes back to the ground. He's got to gather himself, get it back up again, pursue the quarterback. Then he gets a sack. That was a, that was just a work a workman like sack. So it was it was the epitome of the mechanic. I hope that's not his nickname. It sucks as a nickname. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it, it man. Okay, well, all right, maybe it is. I mean, it might grow on me, but uh, I think what I do see it. I see it though. I do. I see what Sark saw. We're like, oh no, he's just a worker, man. He comes blue collar, come to work every day. I'm dead. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers and uh, Drew Kelson, uh, former Longhorns, talking about the uh, Rice game. Texas defeats Rice 37 10 in DKR. Uh, we talked to Jerry Hamilton earlier. Uh, he said that there were multiple recruits on campus, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at insidetexas.com. Uh, if you guys are not a subscriber to InsideTexas.com, there's a special offer going on right now for folks that watch on Texas football. Wow. Use promo code OTFIT23. That's right. Use promo code OTFIT23. You have to select the monthly offer, okay? But when you do so, you can get two months of Inside Texas for just $1. That's two uh, months for just $1. All right, uh, Guys, a couple more questions here. We're going to try to go about uh, another 10, 15 minutes uh, here on the night. We went over this already. Uh, David's mentioning this. Uh, did Texas overlook Rice because of the game, Bama game? Is it a consensus that not – did they not overlook them, but they focused on Bama somewhat on purpose? So it wasn't actually overlooking. Mm -hmm. It's the coaches had them focused – on things that might work more against Bama as opposed to the players themselves overlooking them. So I, I think I, my point on that is Agreed. don't put this on the, the players per se, because I thought they came out fired up, played a little, I, the defense played with its hair on fire early. I thought um, put it more on the coaches a little bit in that regard. And that's not a negative. It's just because no. they like, like Rod said, they thought they were going to beat Rice. Yeah, and I and, to, and it goes to exactly what we discussed earlier. You know, the play the coaches can do it on a kind of covert, clandestine level. They don't have to even tell the players, "Hey, in the game, in the practice sessions, or in the seven on seven, the team, hey, let's work on that that those Bama formations we were talking about." The players that they're probably like, "Man, I didn't see this much in the film study, but all right, whatever coach says, we'll just work on it." Uh, you know, what I mean, they don't the coach the players don't know that much unless the the coaches actually tell them. And so the coaches can be talking rice, 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 all the, you know, the film study that they do in the uh, the meetings, rice, 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 rice. But, hey, man, when you go in and put in the scout team stuff, you can throw in Bama, Bama, Bama. You can throw in some stuff. So I think it might have been done in a clandestine way. And to Drew's point, no strategic, no tactical or schematic advantage because we're, we're keeping all of our exotic, our very elaborate concepts for Bama. So all the really cool play designs by Sark, we're not going to get that. We'll be vanilla. That also, you know, that's going to make you easier to defend. Uh, just, just a natural uh, way, you know, offense are built. If you have less of those cheat codes built in your offense, and Sark has a lot of them, and he didn't use a lot of them today, I, I think that'll make you easier to defend. So I think, I think Bobby's right. I think the coaches, if anything, blame them because they were probably – geared everything was geared toward getting ready for Bama and maybe not so much focused on hey let's pull out our most exotic game plan to make sure that we pound rice into submission that we bludgeon rice that probably wasn't the priority I, I, and, and Rod if people want to know how this works because I've been through this and as a player and didn't realize it I remember going all through camp uh, 2005 this is when I moved to linebacker 
Hmm. Uh, so my sophomore year, this is a year we went undefeated. Uh, but I remember my first, I'd never played linebacker in my life, moved to linebacker in the summer. First time playing linebacker in pads was the fall before um, <laughs> before the championship season. And then I go out to Louisiana Monroe. I mean, this the week of Louis, Louisiana Monroe. We're repping all these different plays. I'm in the film room, like locked in, dialed in, all these different fronts. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, I got to know all this stuff. And then throughout the practice, same week, like dialed in. We get into the game against Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, I think it was Louisiana Monroe. And I'm like, what happened, Coach? You're not calling the the blitz that we ran. <laughs> well, coach, you didn't call the. I thought I was supposed to be coming off the edge. I'm wondering when he's going to call the play where I shoot the B gap. (laughs) And I realized all this stuff we were repping later. Oh, we played Ohio State the next week. Ding, 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 go. On the road. So. Did they call uh, that blitz? Did they call that blitz? Oh, yeah, they called everything against Ohio State. (laughs) (laughs) We we did it all against Ohio State. Give me the playbook, baby. I think you caused a I think you caused a turnover to kind of steal that game, did you not? That that was a fun yeah, on on, on that play. And and, nice. (laughs) That's a great that's a great example. If you want to know how it is from a player perspective, when when you're preparing for looking past the game. You spend a whole week repping plays that never get called, and you're wondering why. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's yeah, true. We'll, we'll, we'll know more next week. Got it. Great. All right. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers and Drew Kelson here on the post game show, uh, brought to you by uh, Flight by Yingling, uh, the next generation of light beer. Uh, guys, Sawyer Dubber says, My biggest takeaway and disappointment was seeing, seeing a ceiling for yours that was lower than I was hoping. His pocket presence is still iffy. His footwork in the pocket is almost clumsy. He can't or won't go left. I thought his footwork was a little weak in the first half, and then he did not step into some throws, especially some deep ones early. He kind of got, you know, one of them, the the, the long ball uh, to Worthy down the right sideline. He just let it hang up there instead of actually stepping into it. And then the ball, uh, the deep ball to A.D. Mitchell, I mean, he threw off his back foot instead of stepping into it, knowing that he was going to get hit. You can't, you know, that's that's the issue. And for him to be a great player, he's going to have to be willing to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, basically some of the same things that we saw Quinn Ewer struggle with last year. Uh, we saw them in this game versus Rice. I think Longhorn fans were hoping that would be a, you know, a, a ton of progress that we see these uh, these leaps, these exponential leaps in maturity and from him as a player, I'm talking about him as a player on the field in terms of his footwork, uh, his pocket presence, uh, the mechanics. And I don't know if we necessarily saw that in the Rice game. I'm not saying that didn't happen on the offseason because um, we don't have enough of a sample size to jump to con- – we're not jumping to conclusions here. Uh, but you didn't get proof in the Rice game that uh, he has resolved those issues. Those issues that I think now the anxiety comes – because Longhorn fans are thinking, does those those same issues like the deep ball, the pocket presence, the iffy footwork, the mechanics, do they still exist? And if they still exist, they could come back to hunt Texas in big games against you know better opponents. So like I said, it's just a short, this is a very small sample size, and we don't have enough evidence one way or the other. But the fact that you cannot dismiss it 
is, I think that's what's troubling for so long. They want to be able to dismiss the fact that he has overcome all those issues. We figured that out. He has solved the footwork, solved the deep ball. Let's move on, baby. Now he can be, you know, an all conference or an all, you know, he can be, you know, an all American, be that caliber of a player. I don't know if we can say that at this point. All right. What do y'all think about this one? Uh, buddy, pal, chief, big guy says zero penalties and only five, or zero, zero turnovers, excuse me, and only five penalties in a hundred degree heat are a good sign of discipline. Were they, they were definitely disciplined on defense. I don't know that I would call them a disciplined offense today. Uh, well, I, I'll say this on the turnover front. I mean, we, we'd hear about the defense emphasizing turnovers and getting turnovers in camp and, and and usually you're like, well, what does that mean about the offense? Um, I do think regardless of the opponent, I mean, there are a lot of ways to turn over the ball just through lack of focus, uh, not not holding on to the ball as a bar, ball carrier, uh, getting a snap and dropping the snap, uh, even special teams type blunder. So at the end of the day, uh, you protected the ball and it's clean. You can't complain about that. And I mean, five penalties, I'd have to go back and look at the nature of those penalties, uh, but at the end of the day, you can't you can't get mad about that at all. You you want to be clean on that that type of that that side of the game, because all those yards can add up. And in weeks like what we have coming up, just for the rest of the season, you want to start on this front with uh, zero turnovers and, and limit your penalties there. So yeah. I will say this. I, hold on one second, Rod. I will say this: that there were three pre-snap infraction penalties. Jake Majors, DJ Campbell, Hayden Connor, I believe. Then there were, when Texas was up 37 to three, our producer, Matt uh, Hutchison, said, I wonder if the refs had the under, uh, or excuse me, the uh, had rice, because the, the spread was 35 and a half. Texas is up by 34, and they called a offensive pass interference on a pick play, uh, Nathan Hatter, the tight end. And then the very next one, they called a face mask on Hayden Connor. You don't remember that? It gave him the first and 40. Then Bert Auburn trotted out there to try to hit a 57-yard field goal. Oh, man. Uh, Matt, yeah. our producer, had something to say about that. Rob, what, what do you think about discipline? Were they disciplined on offense? Uh, we, I know you think they were kind of on defense, right? Uh, yeah, and I, but I, I love what Drew said about the turnovers, man. There's just so many different ways, different variables that come into effect when you're talking about being careless with the football. That means like the snap, all the things he brought up. Texas last season actually was tied with K-State for the fewest turnovers in the Big 12. The problem was they didn't have enough takeaways on the defensive end. They only had 14. That was ninth uh, in the Big 12. I'll give you a quick stat. Only five times has a Big 12 champion finished outside the top four in turnover margin in the last 17 years. Texas was fifth last year. All right. And, they, and the offense did its part because it took care of the football. The defense had to take the football away more. This game is a perfect example of offense taking care of the football, defense taking the football away, and the Big 12 turnover margin is huge. Might be top three most important stat in the Big 12. So that's good. That's a good sign. And, yeah, penalties, you don't want to beat yourself. Uh, the pre-snap penalties, though, the thing that, that worries me about that, though, Bobby, Sark kept mentioning it in the offseason. He mentioned it. After, mo after both of those scrimmages, he was like, yeah, pre-snap penalties. It's an issue for us. we got to figure it out. And the first game, that that carried over, unfortunately. So that's something to watch, too. Sark, he's probably going to – he's definitely going to get that cleaned up. He's going to be dog-cussing some people. Because that's really a lot of his offense is pre-snap motion shifts. It's a lot of pre-snap design. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so – so I so agree with that. 
All right, uh, this one's from Greg Case, guys. Concern level with the offensive line after one game. If uh, 10 is red alert, emergency, take it and make sure we get some help in here ASAP. And one is, I don't know, Georgia's offensive line last year. I mean, where no you know, concerns. The quarterback <laughs> has all the time in the world to, to sit back there and throw. Uh, where, where are you rating the level of concern with this offensive line? Drew, why don't you take that one first? I, I think there's still some things that to, to, to work through. I mean, uh, I remember seeing Jake Majors kind of bark at DJ Campbell a couple of times out there. And you Saw want to that. see that type of leadership that. there. So yeah. um, there's some things. I mean, I think they have the guys and they have the talent. Uh, it's it's a matter of, of of what what are we doing upstairs, and this is one game, and so there there is some film, some things to teach from. Um, so I'm I'm not concerned long term. I mean, this is a talented group of guys, a physical, good physical group of guys. Uh, it just comes down to being in sync on the mental side of things. Uh, we can't be, and I'm saying this both as something I hope and something I expect. We can't be the only team in the country to to have every team show up every week doing the same thing, and we can't figure it out. Like that's just, um, I mean, it just that that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, we do have some things to clean up, and that's that's for sure. Uh, but I won't say I have long term concerns. These are just things that we need to clean up and make sure we're prepared. Um, and it may not be fixed next week. And I'll tell you that right now. It may not be fixed next week, um, but we do have some things to learn from this game and kind of iron out who can we trust uh, moving forward on the offensive line to execute, understand their assignments, and go out and play physical once they understand their assignments. And I think that's where we're still working. We know we have the talent. Now it's who can we consistently trust to, to execute down after down. Hey, I've yeah. got a score for y'all that's going to freak you out a little bit. Uh-oh. You, you know that, uh, that uh, comment we made about Ohio State and Indiana – 23 to three Ohio state, normally a high flying offense. You'd think they'd score 30 or 40 at least. Well, Georgia just scored in the third quarter to go up 23 to nothing. It was 17 to nothing. So you say, Oh, well that's, that's just Georgia being Georgia. They were playing UT Martin. UT Martin. They were up 17 to nothing with eight minutes to go in the third. So Texas played Rice, and they were up, uh, what, 16 to 3 at half? Is that right? 23 to 3 in the middle of the third? People don't realize, Bobby, these games, we all been waiting and hungry, have been hungry for football. The butterflies, the anxiety, the, the, the excitement. Uh, when you get out there in these games, it, it doesn't always look the way you thought it was going to look in the offseason. Teams show up with different looks, different things on film that you didn't anticipate. Uh, so you just sometimes you're just not preparing for what you're going to see on that first game of the season. Um, and it's and sometimes when you when you are playing a, a Rice as, as Texas or you're playing UT Martin as Georgia, you allow your team to kind of flutter. You allow them to kind of go into it. Let's see if you can execute this fourth and two on your own side of the field. I'm not worried about it. I wouldn't take this gamble in any other game. There's certain things we just did today. That were, that were just blatantly evident that we would not do in other scenarios, but we were testing our guys out, seeing what they were made of, seeing how they showed up. And unfortunately, in certain cases, they just didn't do what we expected or what we would like to see. But that's why you challenge them, and that's probably why uh, George is up 17-0 in the third quarter against UT Martin. Yeah. Uh, guys, your uh, former head coach, Mac Brown, currently 7-7 seven to seven 
against South Carolina. Oh, uh, yeah. He is going for his 100th win, by the That's way, fun, as a <laughs> North Carolina coach today. Uh, that that is an interesting one. Uh, Kansas State up 28 to nothing on South Southeast Missouri in the second quarter. A and M up 35 to seven and goal to go in the second quarter against New Mexico. The Aggies may have something there on offense this year. MTSU, Middle Tennessee State, guys, 14 to nothing, losing right now to Alabama. Crimson Tide, uh, that is in the second quarter. Hmm. Uh, now, Middle Tennessee State, guys, don't, don't forget, they actually beat Miami last year. So it's yeah. not like they're not a great team by any stretch. I'm not trying to say that. But they're, they're, they're a pretty good team Yeah, uh, for, for a small school. Penn State up just 14 to 7 on West Virginia in the second quarter now as well. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to add a couple of things, Bobby, just real quick. Oh, please uh, do, Rod. But, uh, Mac Brown, if he does win and he'll get his 100th win, right? If you said if he wins, yep. he'll be the first coach to have 100 wins at two different schools. I don't know. No other coach has ever done that. Uh, so shout out to Mac Brown, uh, winning a lot of games. Uh, also, um, what you said about Georgia. Yep. And what you said about um, Ohio State, yep. I will throw in that they're both breaking in new quarterbacks too. Which yeah. The expectations on Texas kind of goes back to that. Oh, Texas is bringing back Quinn. They're bringing back a lot of continuity on offense, and that's why people expected them to, you know, kind of start gangbusters uh, and start yeah. off a little hotter than others. But you're right; it does take a while, man. Early on, everybody offense starts a little slower than the defense does. I tell you what. Oklahoma didn't have any problem getting off to the track meet today. They won 73 to nothing, 73 to nothing. over. Wow. State. Yeah. That, yeah. I got to go back. I, I was, I'm mad. I didn't, you know, record that game. I got to find some way to watch that game and just find out how the hell that happened. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I DVR'd it, Rod. Okay. I'll send you a thumb drive. How about that? Um, Notre Dame beat Tennessee state 56 to three Washington laid it on Boise. Boise was up early. Washington and Michael Penix, the quarterback, yeah, came back. Oh, man. 56 to 19. Bro, that offense. Oh, wow, they came back, huh? Yeah. That's a hard team offense, man. That offense, it was like a top three offense in the country last year. Wow. That yep. offense is a real deal, man. He's he's an NFL player. Luke Fickle wins his debut at Wisconsin over Buffalo. Uh, they they uh, won 38-17 over the MAC team uh, in uh, Madison today. Ole Miss put it on Mercer, 73-70. to 70. Iowa, Iowa always does this early in the season, 10-point score, 7-point oh, win. Ten, the Iowa won 24-14 over Utah State. Uh, so lo- those are kind of them. Uh, probably the biggest one, though, the shocker for most of college football, Deion Sanders. Hey. 45-42 over TCU. Hey, I, hey I, know, I know a lot of people out there don't like Deion. I'm a Dion fan. I, I shocked the world. He did. He shocked the world, man. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody, nobody but his players. Right. Nobody but his players. Right. And and what it, what it represents, Bobby, is this: is that it, it's unprecedented because we are now in the transfer portal NIL era of the free market has officially hit college football, and nobody's ever turned over a roster like that. In you know eighty something, eighty new players on a roster in just one off season. But nobody had the ability to do it, number one. I don't think anybody had the gall to do it, number two. And then number three, honestly, it's such a unicorn of a uh, of a situation with Deion Sanders. He's a Hall of Famer, a, a, a pro football Hall of Famer who decides to coach in college. 
guys, I can't think of an example of it ever happening because most of those guys, they coach in the NFL once they become a Hall of Famer because they're a Hall of freaking Famer. And he coached in college. I can't I can't think of a time that of that ever happening. And think of a Hall of Famer who's still as cool and relevant as Dion is now. I can't think of one either. Like who's cooler? Like think about that. This guy's still relevant and cool. Most Hall of Famers, most of these young guys don't even know who the hell they are. Everybody know who Dion is, though. Yeah. It's he still amazing. got commercials. Yeah. They were running Dion commercials during, during the, game the game today. During the game. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy, Bobby. I've got I've got maybe the upset brewing of all upsets here. 48 seconds uh left in the second quarter. Texas State 28. Baylor 13. Baylor. Oh, let's go, DJ. <laughs> DJ Kitty. Yeah, that's right. It's been hey. a year in uh, Austin before he transferred up to Tulsa. Uh UTA, wow. UTSA Houston. Deep into the second quarter, I thought this would be a more offensive firepower game. 126 left in the second quarter, 7-7. Seven to seven. I'm a little surprised about that. I thought UTSA would pull away. Anybody yeah, but it's only the second quarter with a minute 26 yeah. left. Okay. Interesting. There yeah, I mean, so neither team showing a lot of spunk offensively. How, how those uniforms look for U of H? They wearing those love you blue? Those love you uh, blue. They claim some they people do. are happy about that, and some people are sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, we got a couple more questions here. We're going to get them in. Uh, a couple more super sh- uh, super chats here uh, from Chris Harrington. O line was not impressive. Quinn does not look co- confident in this offense. No faith in QB one. He still looks lost. Glad we won. Hook him. I don't yeah. think there's we can't I, I, we can't argue with a lot of that. I don't disagree with that perspective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that the O-line was not there were times where they were impressive in the second half, I thought. Um I don't no faith in QB. I, I think I have some, but I just I think he somebody said it earlier, his ceiling may not be as high as you thought it was. And I think his floor may be lower than you thought it was too. Hmm. That's that's the problem. I, I've said it before. He's got to complete 65-70% of his passes, especially if they're not going to run the play-action stuff that Sark likes to a bunch, and they're going to do more RPO stuff. Did you guys watch the TCU-Colorado game? I did. Yeah. Did yeah. you watch the offense that Shadir Sanders was in and how the quick passing game was getting yes. the ball out of his hands real fast? I, I know Sark has got that in the playbook. I think, honestly, the the offense could look very different versus Alabama because I think Sark has got to realize Quinn is not comfortable with with the deep throws as much in his offense. And even I think some of the sacks may have been been on some of the deeper deeper developing routes that he's trying to get the ball downfield. Got to get the ball out of his hands quick and easy to guys in space with chances to get yak yards, targets to motion. He's got the same stats I got, and I just I believe that the offense is going to look different versus Bama, and it's going to be quick passes, getting the ball out of his hands. There will be shots. Of course, there will be shots. But I think Sark is going to start working the quick intermediate game and, you know, and and really let the defense give you the deep ball because they start coming up and defending some of the short uh, intermediate underneath stuff. So that's what Quinn's at his best. He's great there. He's accurate. He's confident. You start throwing the ball deep. You said it, Bobby. You want to step into them throws. He's like, man, let me get that, oh, get that out there. Oh, man, come on. I think I think Gray Man's right. 
Does Colorado win today if yours is their quarterback? I say no. What do you think? I think that yours does not have the escapability that Shadur no, Sanders yeah. has. Yeah, that, that, that's just a different element to it. I, I do think um, – so, so I can't disagree with that at all. I think the escapability is what was the difference today for Shadur and for Colorado. Um, but I also I – but I, I, Rod has said this a couple times. If we just said we're going to lean into what Quinn does well, which is some of the intermediate and intermediate doesn't mean just 10 yard. I mean, there's some deep intermediate routes. There's other things that, that take time to develop coming from across the field. I think he does a great job on those concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can still win with Quinn. I mean, I think everyone is like, can we win with Quinn? We, we, we can win. We can win every game on our schedule with him at quarterback. Yes. He, there's some things we anticipated or would expect to see different, just more composure in the pocket. Uh, just, just more presence. I mean, just there's certain things you don't there's certain things you just don't want to see because you look you have 11 incompletions what do you attribute that to a few of them were deep balls that didn't get completed uh you know Tatavian Sanders got hit in the head with a <laughs> that, that, that was a, just it's, an ugly play it's just certain things you're just like you don't ever want to see you had a drop ball in the flats um oh, which which is rare we had from um uh to uh goodness 24. Jonathan Brooks. Uh, my, my brain's all racked yeah, up now. But no, yeah. seriously, like when you look at the 11 incompletions, um, there's a story behind all of it. And some of the stories behind those 11 incompletions, they were just some ugly stories. <laughs> you just, it's just, at the end of the day, your tight end getting hit in the head with the, with the helmet. It's just, the, the perception is going to be worse when the way that we were incomplete, the, the way the incompletions came just wasn't pretty. It's not what we want to see. So, yeah. hey, this is a fair comment too. From Heath, we have gone from first round pick to get the ball out of his hands. LOL, playmaker to bus driver because of Rice. Let, no, let's, let's, let's not let's not change the dot. Let's not change. It was always about distributing the football. That yes. has not changed whatsoever. It is not. It is not now. And, and no one ever said. Sark has not said the plan is for for him to be a first round pick. The plan is for him to be a distributor of the football. And today. We saw him execute that on certain plays, and there are certain plays we wish we could have seen him have more composure and do it different. But, um, yeah, I, I, I get the sentiment. There was nothing uh, that, that we saw today that, that made us feel like there was some progress on things that we wish we would have seen progress on for sure. Yeah, well, what I basically want to see is Sark, who's a quarterback nurturer, quarterback guru, is get his quarterback in a rhythm and his quarterback in a groove and get his quarterback in confidence, right? I want to see him playing confident. I want to see him throwing, making throws with confidence. And I don't see that all the time with Quinn. And as, as Sark is the play caller, I wonder if it is a priority for him sometime to go, you know what? Let me just get my quarterback in a rhythm. Let's just get him, let's just get him on a, a, a completion streak, right? Just get him in a rhythm and get him confident, get him in a groove. And you do that with RPOs, which, by the way, there were more RPOs today. I noticed that. So I think there are upping the RPO uh, percentage and the RPO rates and get them quick, high percentage passes, get them confident first. And, you know, then you can take your shots, but I don't don't know if there's a priority in the offense. And I think there are a lot of ways you can do that. But like I said, I think the offense is going to look very different versus Bama. Hey, this is from Mock Chanel. I agree with him. I I just brought it up. It's not that I necessarily think anybody wants to to comment on it. They definitely made some nice halftime adjustments on offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, part of that was the run game. Run game. Part of that yeah. was the RPO stuff. We mentioned the JT Sanders ball. Uh, boy, how, how do you get that open in the red zone that A.D. Mitchell was on that slant? 
Oh, because the corner, I think his name, I think it was Sean Fresh that was the corner. Yeah. He basically gave up inside leverage. He was sitting inside yeah. and he did what we call kind of the, the inch technique where he was inching out. Uh, A.D. Mitchell gave him a, a good stem and <laughs> then just, just took the inside leverage. And I guarantee you, coach, the Rice coach yelled at that young man and told him, Dude, yeah. we're in a red zone. You cannot give up inside leverage. That you, got, you should have picked the side, Rod. If you're going, if he was playing right on top of him, he was exactly. You know, so, yeah. And as AD Mitchell starts going up the field, he was still right on top. Like, take something away. Take something away. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, made it easy for him to stem and get back inside, and uh, yeah. that was an easy touchdown. Yeah. A friend of mine just texted me. I, I want y'all to know this. A friend of mine that I respect just texted me. If you blitz Milrow, Bama is beatable. Just letting y'all know, he's watching that game right now. Uh, a couple, couple, couple more comments, and then we're getting to get going here. Uh, Casey Lane, Quinn has to work on his internal timer. 100% agree. Y'all agree with that? Uh, yeah, I do. I think uh, I think you can help him with that uh, with, you know, I think empty formation, some different concepts helped him getting the ball out. RPOs are big for that. It's automatic, you know, the internal clock speeds up. Uh, but you're right. I think that's a big part of it, too, and that's that, – the natural athletic instincts is actually real quick. Jim Harbaugh once asked uh, Bill Walsh, like, what do you look for in a quarterback? And the late great Bill Walsh said, I look for athletic instincts um, in a quarterback, something that can take over in those that spontaneous athletic uh, instincts that take over in critical moments. He said about 10 to 15 percent of the game for Quinn. I wonder if he struggles when that hat when that has to take over for him. His nat natural athletic response in situations, and that's the sec. That's your that's your second second reaction plays, off script plays, off schedule. When the play decomposes and breaks down, I think he's really uncomfortable. And honestly, guys, that's like thirty percent of football. It is. Caleb Williams, he's like amazing at it. Like he can drop a snap. He can have you know. What I mean, the guy the off offensive line and miss a block. Matter. He'll pick it up, throw a touchdown pass. You're like, what the hell was that? It's like Patrick Mahomes is great at that. Like, and Quinn's just not – he's not great at that part of the game, which means he needs to be on schedule more. Yeah, I agree. All right, to Jordan S., sometimes you have to just say the baby is ugly. Quinn cannot <laughs> throw a deep pass at all. O-line look bad. AD, AD uh, Donai Mitchell cannot block at all. But at least the defense looks solid. I think that that is the takeaway that <laughs> at least 50% of Texas fans – that that don't don't really go deep on the game. That is what they think. I I, I don't I don't disagree with some of it. I didn't think the baby was ugly in the first half. I'm gonna say this, Bobby. And don't you? Y'all thought the baby was ugly in the first half? Oh yes, of course it was. Oh, there's, no, there's no question yeah. about that. But it, it, but it also never mattered, right? Like you, I, I you can I, I said it a little bit earlier. You can sense oh, the coaches yeah. were kind of just letting them work through it. Um, and then the second half was like, all right, we, we, we were letting you play the game in the first half. Now we're gonna we're gonna go win the game in the second half. <laughs> it's just, but the, yeah, the baby was ugly. Uh, the baby was ugly. <laughs> hey, I, I'll say this though: when you when you, when you are confronted with an ugly baby, nobody admits it. It's a must loss situation. Yes, yes, all right, so nobody with an ugly baby actually knows their baby's ugly because you got to <laughs> lie to them. So there you go. That's there you go. So no, Texas but, but, won't know how but, ugly but it is. I, like, hey. I will say this. I will say this. I will say this. We keep saying it. We keep saying it. Chess, not checkers. There's a lot today that we know was very, very, very vanilla. We cannot yeah. take that lightly. We still want to see the guys execute uh, in spite of that. But I know today was a vanilla day. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it's football season. So we need something to be mad about.
That's true. And all babies and all babies look ugly. <laughs> we need something to born. discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need something to work on every yeah, week. Yeah, that's true. And all and like I said, all babies are ugly when they're first born. I've heard that. All of them, <laughs> even the pretty ones, they all ugly at the beginning. So at the beginning, Texas is an ugly baby, but they'll end up looking like Derek Jeter by the end of the season. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> hey uh guys, thank y'all so much. That's gonna do it for today's post-game show. Uh, appreciate Rod Babers, Drew Kelson, uh, Jerry Hamilton stepped in for a little bit as well. Uh, also really appreciate, appreciate all the super chats, Jordan S, Rudy Serta, Greg Case, MJ Allen, David Parcell, Chris Harrington, gray man. Uh, and we appreciate all you guys who stayed with us today, uh, whether it was in the post game show, the watch with us or earlier today when Jerry was out cruising Bevo Boulevard, uh, talking to the fans (laughs) and whatnot. Uh, we also want to say thank you to our sponsor. That's flight by Yingling. The next generation of light beer, uh, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories per can. Uh, give them a try. Available at your local uh, grocery store as well as, uh, what do you want to say? Liquor stores probably too. There we go. All right. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, 37-10, Texas wins, defeats Rice. For Rod and Drew, I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. Hook them. Hook them.